On his 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Masson All Access Podcast brought to you by Toyota. For legendary safety and reliability, choose Toyota and let's go places. Paul Mancano joined by Brendan Mortensen here inside the warehouse. I am once again serving as producer for this podcast because it is breaking news and it is 620 on a Thursday night, yeah, right around the holidays, and that's when the Orioles decide to get their big business done. And that big business, Brendan, business is booming. Sure Adam Frazier, the Orioles inking a second baseman outfielder to a one-year deal for the 2023 season. We're going to talk about what that addition means for the Orioles infield, their outfield, what it means for them going forward. Brendan, we hopped on our last podcast a mere day ago and talked about the guys remaining on the free agent market. We talked a lot of starting pitchers. We talked some bats. And Adam Frazier was still out there. He was still as part of our free agency bracket. and uh, one seed. He was the one seed in his region, which was the middle infield region. And we got it right. After so much wrongness, after being wrong in every possible way. I mean, we lost Jamison Tyone, who was our champion. We lost Jock Peterson before free agency even really began to the qualifying offer. We lost Joey Wendell, who wasn't even a free agent. We lost Ross Stripling, Chris Bassett, Matthew Boyd, Carlos Santana, all these guys. But we got one. And sometimes all it takes is one to go on a roll and to go on a heater. We got Adam Frazier. Yeah, it's it's nice to get a win here. I yeah. mean, Adam Frazier didn't end up winning the infield bracket very easily could have. He was the one seed for a reason. Should have stuck with my gut and fought harder for Adam Frazier in that bracket. I think as that podcast went along and I talked myself into Joey Wendell, I just got convinced that he should be the winner of the infield bracket. But Adam Frazier, I ranked as the number one seed in the infield bracket for a reason. Because he could slot in as your starting second baseman. He could be a starting outfielder. He could be a super utility player. Whatever you need him to do, Adam Frazier is a quality left-handed bat, plays good defense. I think it's a really good pickup by the Orioles. So Adam Frazier checks the biggest box you just mentioned there, which is being a lefty. Yes. We've seen Michael Elias go all in on lefties during this offseason, and it makes a whole lot of sense because of that left field wall being pushed back because they have a lot of talented righties in that lineup, and maybe some lefties could help balance them out against right-handed pitchers. Adam Frazier is a lefty. I think that's a huge, huge benefit. He's coming off somewhat of a down 2022 season, but he is a very proven, very versatile veteran that the Orioles are bringing in on an $8 million deal. And $8 million is the largest they've ever handed out under Mike Elias to a free agent position player. $10 million is the most they've ever handed out to any player under Mike Elias. And that went to Kyle Gibson, a few weeks ago, right before winter meetings. Now they add a bat to their lineup. And Brendan, I I saw some comments on social media that weren't as kind to this signing and this decision. No. I don't really get where that's coming from. I have no idea. Yeah, I want to address those comments pretty much right away. Head on. If we can. 
because there are a lot of comments saying that this is just kind of a discount move, that Adam Frazier isn't very good, that he isn't really an upgrade from a Rugnit Odor type of signing. And I don't really understand that in any way. First off, it is not a major move. It is a one-year, $8 million signing on a player who has been consistently good throughout his career and had a down season in 2022. This is exactly what we have talked about on previous podcasts with the Orioles being smart in not always buying high on guys who have a great one-year, two-year stretch and then giving them a lot of money in free agency. The Orioles are betting that Adam Frazier's down 2022 was just that. It was a down year. Yes, he had not a great OPS, but if you look at Adam Frazier's career numbers, he has four seasons of at least a 750 OPS. He plays a really quality defensive second base, a quality defensive corner outfield, and he works now into the mix with other guys like Ramona Rios, like Jorge Mateo, like a bunch of other guys on this roster, Taron Vavra being another one as well, that you can put at a bunch of different positions. And Adam Frazier, for many years in Pittsburgh, was a coveted guy at the trade deadline. There's a reason that he went to Seattle, to San Diego, because he is a quality veteran player that teams around the league clearly thought could help them in a playoff push in big moves down the line. So I don't, I don't understand why the, the reaction here against Adam Frazier, this is a quality quality player that the Orioles brought in for not a lot of money. I don't get the downside. I don't think there is one at all. Yeah, Adam Frazier just turned 31 a day ago. Happy belated birthday to Adam Frazier. In his career, seven seasons, most of them with Pittsburgh, you mentioned, was traded to the Padres in the midst of his career year, his all-star year in 2021. Then signed with the Seattle Mariners on a one-year deal one offseason ago. 273 hitter, not going to hit a whole lot of homers. In seven seasons, he's hit just 43 home runs, 728 OPS, which is respectable, 12.4 baseball reference war, which is also respectable. For $8 million, this is what the market rate is. He signed a one-year deal. I think it was for $7.5 million with the Mariners a year ago. This market is crazier than last year's. Half a million dollars more is not absurd, even after a somewhat down 2022 season. But... What the Orioles are getting, before we talk about where he factors into everything right now, what the Orioles are getting is a very solid player who is not, he is on the wrong side of 30, but not by much. He still plays a quality defensive second base, has outfield versatility. This is a good player that the Orioles are picking up. And when we talked to Mike Elias in winter meetings, Flex in San Diego in his hotel room, he said... He could add a second baseman. He had mentioned it before, but he said he wouldn't be, they wouldn't be in a bad position, the Orioles wouldn't, if they didn't. The Orioles still, if they didn't add a second baseman on an $8 million deal or $5 million or more dollar deal like they did, probably would have been okay because you have Gunnar Henderson, you have Ramon Arias who just won a gold glove at third base, and you have Jordan Westbrook who's coming up through the system in addition to Terran Vavra who is... A, you know, a young, exciting, interesting player that they have at second base. Outside of those four guys that are mentioned there, though, the Orioles really don't have a whole lot of depth. And, and Jorge Mateo as well, who can play shortstop. They, at, very, at the very least, needed depth for their infield. And $8 million for one year, at the very least, 
provides a little bit of depth in that infield. It is an upgrade over Rugnet Odor, who signed for about a million dollars last offseason after he was DFA'd. These two players are on vastly different trajectories in their careers. Adam Frazier has been a very solid player for his entire career, had a slightly down 2022. Rugnet Odor had a great first couple years of his career in Texas and was really on the downturn when the Orioles signed him last year. The Orioles bought incredibly low on Rugnet Odor. Them buying low this offseason is spending $8 million, which is the most they've ever committed to a position player. So it's good to see that they're spending more than they have in previous years. And the Orioles are just getting a good player. Before we even get into where he fed, figures into this Orioles team, I don't know how you can be upset with the fact that the Orioles just added depth in a 31-year-old versatile infielder. Yeah, I, I really don't understand the issue with adding good players to your baseball team. We've been getting some more comments on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for following along. Going to try to address as many of these questions as we can. One of the biggest questions that we've been getting is, that hey, you don't want to have Adam Frazier block at-bats for guys like Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby. Look, none of those guys are at the big league level yet. I, I understand that they are exciting young prospects, and you are hoping that Westberg, Ortiz, Norby turn into something good at the big league level. None of those guys are the very high-end prospects like we have seen come up with Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson. And again, none of those guys have any big league experience. I understand wanting to get those guys reps. I think you can put Taron Vavra in that category as well. Adam Frazier is better than Taron Vavra right now. That's just how it is. I understand that Adam Frazier had a down year last year. Taron Vavra came up, showed a lot of promise. If Taron Vavra turns into an Adam Frazier type of player, that's great. That's a really good outcome for Taron Vavra. Jordan Westberg has snuck into the top 100 per MLB pipeline. Hopefully he makes an impact next year. Hopefully Jordan Westberg is a utility type of player that you can move around the diamond. He's going to get his at-bats because Adam Frazier, you can move around as well. Last year when you had Rugnet Odor, he was only playing second base for you. And sure, maybe Rugnet Odor was blocking some at-bats for other guys at that point because he was playing a good amount of second base when maybe fans wanted to see Taron Vavra a little bit more in that spot. If Jordan Westberg needs a rep at second base, you can put Adam Frazier in the outfield. And guess what? Even if Adam Frazier doesn't go to the outfield, he's still only making $8 million, which is not a ton of money. And that doesn't mean that Adam Frazier can just like not take a seat for a few games here and there. He doesn't have to play 160 games. He can play 110, 120 if you want to give at-bats to guys like Jordan Westberg. And then if Joey Ortiz and Connor Norby are ready and want to come up to the big leagues, great. They'll find at-bats for those guys. Adam Frazier is versatile enough to move around the diamond. He's not going to be a detriment to any of those prospects. No, I like Jordan Westberg as much as the next guy. He won the Orioles Minor League Player of the Year award. I think the Orioles have very high hopes for him. I think he's going to be a solid big leaguer. I think he will be with the big league team in 2023. Here's the reality. He's the 76th best prospect in baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. He's not in the Orioles' top three in terms of their prospects. Anybody who has not yet made their debut, is a question mark at this point. And you can have the highest of expectations for any prospect. That doesn't mean they're going to meet them, and it certainly doesn't mean they're going to meet them immediately. Adley Rutschman, through his first 20 career games, was hitting 176, had not homered. 
there were fans, they were the minority, but they were calling for Adley Rutschman to be sent back to the minor leagues. This was the number one prospect in all of baseball. This was the Orioles' number one prospect. This is the number one overall pick. Jordan Westberg doesn't have that pedigree. He could experience the same kind of struggles in the first 20, 50 games of his big league career. And what if you're the Orioles and Jordan Westberg has been your starting second baseman and he's hitting 176 and you have now found yourself in a hole in the American League East and the American League wildcard race because you put so much faith into this rookie that you have now an offensive hole at second base and you have to either fill that internally or just cross your fingers and hope that Jordan Westberg can turn into something. I like Joey Ortiz. Joey Ortiz is not a top 100 prospect. He's not even in the Orioles' top 15 in their prospect rankings. Again, I like him a lot. I hope he's very successful. I think he can be eventually. And I think that these guys down the road can be good big league players. But the Orioles want to compete for a playoff spot in 2023, as they should. And the best way to do that is to put the best team on the field from opening day onward. They can't dig themselves into a hole like they did last year and find themselves needing a massive win streak in the middle of June or July to get back into the race and finish four games above 500. They have to be competitors from start to finish. Adam Frazier can be your opening day second baseman. He can be your opening day right fielder. He can be your opening day left fielder if you really want him to. And you feel good about that. Jordan Westberg, I like the guy. I think he's going to be successful. There's no guarantee he's going to be successful as a rookie making his big league debut. Taron Vavra has a handful of big league games under his belt. He has one big league homer in his career. Again, another guy I want to want to be successful. There's no guarantee he will be productive in 2023. Adam Frazier has a much higher floor than some of the rookies that I think the Orioles could put at second base or in right field. Yeah, and another one of the big questions is, does this set up a trade of Ramon Arias or of somebody like Jordan Westberg, of some of those prospects? And I think the answer is no. I don't think there's any reason that this should mean Ramon Arias is out the door or somebody like Jordan Westberg isn't going to get opportunities at the big league level. We don't even know if Jordan Westberg is going to break camp with the team. I mean, he might start the year at AAA Norfolk, With Adam Frazier, you are just adding another quality big league player that can play multiple positions, and Ramon Arias can do the same thing. I think this opens up an opportunity for Ramon Arias to play some more third base. You could shift Gunnar Henderson over to shortstop and put Adam Frazier at second. You could put Frazier in the outfield and DH Anthony Santander and put Ramon Arias at second with Gunnar at third and Mateo at short. There are a ton of possibilities here with Adam Frazier, and you don't have too many good players right now and if it turns out that you do if Jordan Westberg is mashing at AAA Norfolk Joey Ortiz is mashing Connor Norby is mashing but you have good players at the big league level like Adam Frazier and Ramon Arias and Taron Vavra who are playing well too great that's a really good issue and you can figure out that issue once it happens but you're hoping that that happens I don't see a scenario where Adam Frazier is blocking some of these prospects from getting playing time. And also, if you're the Orioles right now trying to make a playoff push, that shouldn't be your main concern. Your main concern should be who are the players that are going to put us in the best position to compete in the AL East to secure a playoff spot. If that's Adam Frazier and he has a bounce back season like we are hoping and anticipating, he is probably going to be the player that you are going to be starting as much as possible because he is going to help you in a playoff push. Yeah. If it turns out that 
he is not. If the last season was an indicator of things to come and he doesn't play well, then you have other guys behind him that you can bring in and say, okay, maybe it's their turn. Just like we saw last year when Gunnar Henderson got called up as the Orioles were trying to make a playoff push and he got consistent everyday playing time because the Orioles believed that he was the player that put them in the best position to win baseball games. And he was better than the guys that they had there at at the time. Yes. Whereas if one of these guys like a Westberg or a Vavra is to unseat Frazier, he's, they have to be better than Frazier. Two more examples I want to throw out there because, Brendan, we, we talked about these young guys that, again, we like a whole lot. There's no guarantee that they could succeed. Look at right. Spencer Torkelson and Jared Kelnick. That was the number three and number four prospects in all of baseball in 2021. Spencer Torkelson last year with the Tigers, he had negative 1.3 war, according to baseball reference. He hit 203 with eight homers in 110 games. Jared Kelnick, he didn't make his debut last year, but the year before, in 147 games so far, this was a, a centerpiece of the Mets trade, the trade that sent uh, Edwin Diaz, I believe, to New York. Jared Kelnick hit, has hit 168 so far with 21 career homers and yeah. an OPS under 600. The number three and number four prospects in all of baseball were hurting their teams when they came up and made their debut. And I know that, you know, we hope that these guys succeed, that they've shown flashes, but there's just no guarantee. As for who Adam Frazier is, he is a proven hitter. And like you said, Brendan, you can cross that bridge when you get to it. If Jordan Westberg is hitting 400 in AAA and Adam Frazier is hitting 230 and really struggling. Cross that bridge when you get to it, but it's not a bad problem to have. Yeah, Adam Frazier, again, with four seasons of a 750 OPS or better, Ramon Rios has only done that once in limited playing time. I believe he played about 80 games in 2021 and had an OPS around 770. His OPS was worse last year at 720. It was still better than Adam Frazier's. As we mentioned, Adam Frazier had that down 2022 season. And Ramon Rios' value, a lot of it came from the glove. But an important thing to note here, Paul, as you mentioned before we got on this podcast, this might not impact the infield as much as we are thinking that it could. Yeah. Adam Frazier could play 100 games in the corner outfield. Adam Frazier could be your starting right fielder on opening day. He could start in right field and you could DH Anthony Santander and all of the qualms that we are currently having in our comments section about what is going to happen to Ramon Rios or Taron Vavra or whomever, you could start Adam Frazier in right field and have your infield still consist of Mountcastle, Arias, Mateo, Henderson. You can get Frazier in the lineup in right and DH Anthony Santander. And I think that's where he fits the best on opening day. He could, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the Orioles' opening day roster, opening day lineup, and I'm seeing Gunnar Henderson has to be there somewhere. I think Jorge Mateo can play shortstop on opening day, and you're perfectly fine with that. You could go with an infield of Ramon Rios at third base, Jorge Mateo at shortstop, Gunnar Henderson at second base, or flip-flop Ramon Rios, Gunnar Henderson, whatever you want to do and have Adam Frazier be your starting right fielder and have Anthony Santander be your designated hitter. Because I don't know, let's say that you have Adam Frazier in as your opening day second baseman. You have Jorge Mateo as your opening day shortstop. And then you have Gunnar Henderson at third base. You have Santander in right field. Is Ramon Arias going to be your DH? 
you'd rather have him in the field if he's going to be in the lineup because of his glove. Same with yeah. Jorge Mateo. They bring more defensively than they do offensively. And same with Gunnar Henderson, who has the ability to be potentially an elite defensive shortstop one day. And if Jorge Mateo struggles, Gunnar Henderson can fit, fill right in. And I know I'm seeing a lot of comments about Jorge Mateo. People don't forget about Jorge Mateo. I like Jorge Mateo as much as the next guy. It's just a body of work thing for Jorge Mateo. Do you believe that he's going to be able to have a, another season where he has three and a half war playing every day at, at shortstop? And most of that war did come on the defensive side. He So far, in last year's season, hit 221 with 13 homers and had an OPS of 646. Great what he does defensively. Offensively, he's going to be your eight or nine hitter in just about every lineup. So if Jorge Mateo struggles offensively, if he comes back down to earth a little bit defensively, I don't necessarily see that happening. But if he hits under the Mendoza line next year, if his offense comes back down to earth even more, then you feel better about having Adam Frazier in your infield, moving Gunnar Henderson over to shortstop, having Ramon Rios at third base, and having Frazier as your second baseman. Yeah, and even with that suggestion, Paul, of putting Adam Frazier in the outfield, we're now getting comments of, well, that bumps out Kyle Stowers. Again, I like Kyle Stowers as much as the next guy. Kyle Stowers has put up some great numbers in the minor leagues. He showed some quality flashes at the big league level last year. Kyle Stowers had a 724 OPS in a very limited sample size. Of course, it is entirely possible that he gets better. His numbers continue to improve. We just don't know. The Orioles are bringing in a proven veteran who, yes, had a down season last year, but has had a massive track record of success in this league. And you are now trying to... You're, you're putting him in a spot where... He can be successful at multiple positions. And I think if we left this offseason, Paul, and we're leaving the DH spot up to Kyle Stowers, leaving your second base spot up to Jordan Westberg, I think people would have looked back at this offseason and said, what, you couldn't have brought in any veterans? It, it, because if Jordan Westberg and Kyle Stowers struggle, we're hoping that they don't. But if they do, it would be a lot better to have a veteran there who gives you a higher floor and still has a quality ceiling like Adam Frazier does. He was an all-star two seasons ago. We don't know what Kyle Stowers is going to give you this year. We don't know what Jordan Westberg is going to give you this year. This is a quality veteran signing, and it allows you to not have to bank on unproven rookies. I, I love the prospects, and Mike Elias has done a fantastic job of building the number one farm system in all of baseball, of getting a bunch of guys with really high upside but you're making a playoff push. You can't bank on all of those guys to succeed. Yeah, and we've talked about the Orioles' need to sign an outfield bat in general. I mean, we talked about Joey Gallo for probably more than we should have on the last podcast. We've talked about Michael Brantley. We've talked about guys that can fill in in that corner outfield spot. Uh, Jock Peterson, before he accepted his qualifying offer, you know. So this fills that need while also getting a veteran Guy who can a versatile guy who can also play second base. So I think this pretty much knocks the Orioles out of the outfield market. Would you agree with that? I don't know if I would. I don't think it completes completely knocks them out of a bigger bat market. Maybe they don't need to go sign an outfielder. They didn't really need an outfielder to begin with, but it's nice to have some more quality depth in there. 
I, I don't think the Orioles are completely done looking for another big bat. Adam Frazier is not a big bat. No. He's probably going to hit sixth or seventh or eighth in the lineup somewhere around there. He's going to give you quality defense and hopefully give you an OPS around 750, which has been right around his career mark. But he's not going to hit home runs. He's not a big left-handed power bat. I still think the Orioles could be in the market for a bat like that. Adam Frazier does not profile as a designated hitter. So if you still wanted a designated hitter, I think you could still look for one. I don't think this knocks them out of a left-handed bat market because it's not a it's not a huge left-handed bat. They did add a couple guys on minor league deals, but those are minor league deals. You know, they claim Lewin Diaz. They add Nomar Mazzara. They add Franchi Cordero, both on minor league deals. Diaz is more of a first baseman, and, you know, Cordero has played a lot of first base, but two of those guys have outfield versatility. I don't see them necessarily answering the problem or solving the problem there, and I agree, Brendan. I think if there was a bat out there that the Orioles really like, I think they could still out, go out and get him, but I think they feel now very comfortable in what they have. I think they feel very good about what they have right now. And Kyle Stowers is your fourth outfielder, Ryan McKenna as your fifth outfielder maybe. That's a good problem to have. That's a good place to be in, I think, for the most part. And it it, it certainly lessens the need. If it doesn't remove it entirely by signing Adam Frazier, it certainly lessens the need to get an outfield bat. Well, and I will say it certainly does not remove you from the starting pitching market, which is some more comments that we've been getting that if you are truly, you know, trying to make a playoff push here, then you need more than Adam Frazier and Kyle Gibson, which I agree with. Yeah, you still need to bring in another starting pitcher. We're not here saying that Adam Frazier is a world changing signing that he's all of a sudden going to make the Orioles a completely different team. It is a good veteran piece to add to a team that is trying to make a playoff push. But Mike Elias has said that their number one uh, area of interest in this offseason is still starting pitching, even after the Kyle Gibson signing. So I think the Orioles are still in the market to add another starting pitcher. I don't think Adam Frazier coming in in any way changes the approach to the starting pitcher market. You are still hoping that the Orioles bring in another quality starting pitcher to add to this rotation. This doesn't really change anything in that department. No, and this might be a, a bit of a stretch, but I feel almost more encouraged that the Orioles will make an addition to starting pitcher after they add Adam Frazier because, like you said, Brendan, at the winter meetings, Mike Elias said we would feel okay with the infield group that we have going forward, even if we didn't add anybody, and they still allocated $8 million to that spot. He went into the winter meeting saying, we do need to add starting pitching. Even after we sign Kyle Gibson, we want to add starting pitching. So if they were willing to add, you know, allocate $8 million to a, a spot that they felt okay with, then hopefully they can allocate a little bit more money to shell out for a starting pitcher. We saw Noah Syndergaard go off the board yesterday in a deal that sends him back to the West Coast, and he signed with the Dodgers on a one-year $13 million deal, $1.5 million in incentives. Felt like a deal the Orioles could do. But again, maybe there is another move that is waiting to be made. Nathan Evaldi is still out there. Carlos Rodon, of course, although I would tend to take the Orioles out of that discussion. Michael Waka, they were connected to yesterday by J.P. Morosi of MLB Network. So there are still starting pitchers that they can go out and sign. Adam Frazier doesn't solve the starting pitching problem. It doesn't solve the Orioles' biggest issue right now, but it, it gives me a little bit more encouragement that the Orioles are willing to open up the checkbook perhaps a little bit more than we thought. 
Yeah, and they could even trade one of their middle infield guys right now for a starting pitcher. I, I don't think that Adam Frazier really changes that equation. I think if the Orioles were looking for a starting pitcher, like we've heard the names, you know, Corbin Burns, Pablo Lopez, Zach Plezak get thrown around. I don't think bringing in Adam Frazier makes you feel more comfortable moving any of your prospects for those guys, but you still have that flexibility. And again, we're, we're getting some more comments on Facebook and YouTube kind of laughing at the idea that the Orioles could use more infield depth at the big league level. They can. I mean, Jordan yeah. Westberg, Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby, these are great prospects that, again, we are hoping are able to make a quality impact at the big league level. None of them have taken a single at-bat in the major leagues. And, and to bank on them for your depth is just a lot to ask of. Them. And injuries happen. Yeah. I mean, injuries are a part of any baseball season, and if one of these guys goes down with the, with a major injury that they have to miss significant time with, that would cripple your infield. If Jordan Westberg suffered, and knock on wood that he doesn't, suffered a major injury in spring training, then you would look at your infield depth and say, we are awfully depleted at this spot. We're going to have to rely on Terran Vavra a whole lot more than we would like to. Injuries happen. So this, at the very least, gives you a little bit more insurance for injuries. I also saw some comments about Austin Hayes. I think that's an interesting road to go down as well. Austin Hayes, who struggled massively in the second half, had one of the best first halves of any Oriole, looked like an all-star for the first couple months of the season, really struggled in the second half of the season. If those struggles continue in 2023, that spot may become slightly a platoon. Austin Hayes hits from the right side of the plate. You have Kyle Stowers and now Adam Frazier, who can hit from the left side of the plate. So that is now a spot where I think that the Adam Frazier signing or any outfield depth in general might help you because... Austin Hayes, we hope he has a very good productive 2023 season, but Frazier gives you a little bit more insurance if he doesn't. Yeah, you're just adding another good big league player who is very versatile. He can play second base. He has played shortstop before. He can play either of the corner outfield spots. He has played center field before. I just, I don't see any downside to this. And Austin Hayes, as you mentioned, Paul, that could be a platoon situation, like you said, Austin Hayes hitting from the right side. Adam Frazier hitting from the left. Adam Frazier has a much better OPS in his career against right-handed pitching. So if you need to give Austin Hayes a break against right-handed starters, I think Adam Frazier is a quality enough defensive left fielder that he would be able to handle the bigger left field here at Camden Yards. He can play left field as well. If Again, if it turns into a situation where Austin Hayes is just not playing well enough and you need to platoon him with Adam Frazier, now you have the flexibility to do that. You, you maybe could have done it with Kyle Stowers as well, but again, Kyle Stowers is unproven. He doesn't even have 50 big league games under his belt. And here's another point that I want to make as well. If Adam Frazier doesn't play well, nobody is saying that he has to play every single day. I understand that he's making $8 million, but we have not really seen any evidence of the Orioles just sticking with guys just because. Again, at the back half of last year, Gunnar Henderson got called up because the Orioles believed that he gave them the best chance to win. Kyle Stowers got more playing time because the Orioles believed that they would have a better chance to win with him in the lineup. If Adam Frazier struggles, you could either try to move him at the deadline or just flat out not play him as much as you were hoping. 
to, to play devil's advocate, I do think they stuck with Rugnet Odor perhaps a little bit longer than they could have. Sure. Last year. Sure. And that's a, you know, a decision that was based mostly on what they thought he brought in the clubhouse, his defense at, at second base. And there were a lot of fans. I know that were clamoring for him to be removed from the lineup because of his offense. But I do believe that the Orioles thought that he gave them the best chance to win. So yes. I don't think that they were just doing that out of loyalty to Rugnet Odor. Look, a couple of years ago in 2021, they dropped Michael Franco with a month left in the season because he wasn't cutting it at that point. So they are willing to cut bait at a certain point if they believe that a younger guy or a better guy will give them a better chance to win. Brendan, let's say the Orioles don't make another major league addition to their roster overall outside of pitching to any of the position players. They don't add another big bat. Maybe they add another couple, you know, minor league deals like a Nomar Mazar or somebody like that. How would you fill out the Orioles lineup? You don't have to go in order, but where would you fit them defensively? And do you think Adam Frazier is your opening day second baseman, right fielder, or another option that we're not discussing? Yeah, if they don't add anybody else position player-wise, I think Adam Frazier is your opening day right fielder. Obviously, Adley's your catcher, Ryan Mountcastle at first base. I'd put Ramon Rios as your starting second baseman, Jorge Mateo at short, Gunnar Henderson at third, and then the outfield, I would have Austin Hayes in left, Cedric Mullins in center, Adam Frazier in right field with Anthony Santander DHing. And then on the bench, you have Kyle Stowers and Ryan McKenna, who are your fourth and fifth outfielders. Kyle Stowers, again, could platoon with Austin Hayes if you needed him to. You could get both Kyle Stowers and Adam Frazier in the lineup at the same time. You have Taron Vavra, who is another utility guy, can play second base or the outfield. You have quality options on the bench, or Adam Frazier could turn into your super utility guy as well. But I think on opening day, if the Orioles don't make another addition, I would start Adam Frazier in right field, bounce Anthony Santander to the designated hitter spot. And I think this definitely gives Brandon Hyde a little bit more options in terms of tinkering his lineup on a night-in, night-out basis, depending on who they're facing, a righty, a lefty. Jorge Mateo struggled massively against righties. Austin Hayes struggles massively against righties. Adam Frazier gives the Orioles somebody who hits righties well, somebody who can platoon with one of those guys and where you mix and match and you move things around. Not saying Adam Frazier should play shortstop, but saying you can put somebody else in that spot like Gunnar Henderson, put Arias at third base, and put Adam Frazier at second base, and you have a lineup now that can really hit right-handed pitching. So it gives the Orioles and it gives Brandon Hyde a little bit more to play with in that area. Uh, Brendan, we discussed Syndergaard. There are still a lot of pitchers that are out there. Is there a name now? We we really liked Syndergaard for the Orioles. Evaldi, Waka, Corey Kluber, somebody that you think the Orioles will jump on now that the market has thinned even more the la- since the last time we spoke. Yeah, I'd like to say Evaldi because I think he's kind of the last guy in that tier of pitchers. He's the last one in that tier two, tier three, whatever you want to call it. Outside of Evaldi, I think Corey Kluber and Michael Waka are probably the two names. Michael Waka had a fantastic season last year, had some poor seasons in the previous four or five years before that, 
So maybe you're just believing in what Michael Waka changed about his game last year, and maybe you think that he is truly that pitcher. Corey Kluber, of course, getting up there in age, but he is a multiple-time Cy Young winner. Corey Kluber is still a quality veteran starter in this league. I think you could bring him in on a one-year deal, probably the same as Waka. You could bring those guys in on one-year deals and have them be your number two or number three starter in your rotation. I think Corey Kluber probably gets the opening day start if you bring him in. Not so sure about Michael Waka. And then Nathan Eovaldi is definitely your opening day starter if you bring him in. Evaldi will probably command a two- or three-year deal, if I had to guess, but I think he's a little bit of a higher tier of pitcher that I hope the Orioles are looking at at this point. Yeah, and there's uh, one thing we didn't discuss on the last podcast that was actually newsworthy, but it had been so long since we had actually <laughs> had the news because yeah. we had our last podcast in San Diego a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday. Later that day, the Rule 5 draft happened. We pretty much forgot about the Rule 5 draft by the time the next podcast had rolled around, but the Orioles did make a selection, number 17 overall, just to cover our bases here, do a little housekeeping. The Orioles took Andrew Politi, who is from the Red Sox organization, number 17 overall in the Rule 5 draft, pretty much exclusively a reliever at this point, and he figures to be somebody the Orioles could add to the middle relief of their bullpen. Yeah, it's a quality add to the bullpen. Obviously, don't really know what he's going to give you because he doesn't have big league experience as a Rule 5 draft pick. You never know what bullpen arms are going to do year in and year out. There is so much variance from season to season in bullpen arms. So, please just gives you another option, and it's always good to add options to the bullpen. It is, and, uh, you know, it's good for us to be not discussing Rule 5 draft picks as in depth as we have been in previous off seasons because we have a whole lot more to discuss. Yeah. Orioles are actually making big league signings as they did today with the addition of Adam Frazier and Brendan. We've seen things can pick up quite in a hurry. So one move can lead to another, can lead to another, and maybe we'll have another breaking news podcast at some point over the next couple Who's days. Who's to say? Who's with, to say? Yeah, with another pitcher that they could be adding, maybe somebody else on our uh Rule or in our free agency bracket, I should say, it would be nice. It would it would make the bracket look better. It would certainly. I mean, at this point, we have the one area of gold, which is nice to see. But if we could get just you know a couple more highlighting done, maybe in the in the catcher bracket, I, I think it's interesting also that maybe our next podcast will discuss more. But uh, somebody that was DFA'd, Jorge Alfaro, or was yeah. non tendered by the Padres, maybe that's a, a fit as a backup catcher for Adley Rutschman. Of course, you can catch the podcast every Wednesday at 11 a.m. We'll catch you next time here on the Mass and All Access podcast, which is brought to you by Toyota for legendary safety and reliability. Choose Toyota. Let's go places.